Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You know, the number one thing that women say they want in a man is no, not looks, and it's not money. Obviously, those things are great. But the number one thing women say they want in a man is a sense of humor. And guess what? I can help you with that. Because I teach men how to banter. Yeah, you can actually learn how to banter. So if you're having trouble getting dates or you're always left on red, women don't answer you online, you might have a problem with your banter. But good news for you, learning how to banter, especially with me, is actually really fun. And no one else really teaches you how to banter. So if you actually want women to start responding to you, and not only just responding, but engaging and enjoying and laughing with you, then I think you need to hit me up. That's kristenandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out The Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of The Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. If you like what you're listening to and you want dating tips and strategies directly from me, then you can get in touch with me by shooting me a text to the number 310-299-9139. Up until now, only the best clients of mine had personal access to me. But now, because so many guys ask my personal help regularly, I'm building a private texting community where I answer your questions, give you killer tips, and just make your dating life smoother and easier than ever before. Even if you're not just dating, and you're married, I can help you with that too. So just shoot me a text at 310-299-9139. I really look forward to hearing from you. All right, text you soon. Coming up on this special episode of the Ask Women podcast, it's special because they're old. (laughs) They are old. And I have Kristen on this intro with me because we want to give an extended intro to let you know that we are taking some time off to think about you during the holidays. And in thinking about you, I mean, we're not thinking about you at all, (laughs) just recharging and refreshing ourselves. But Collectively, Kristen and I went over the episodes that we recorded this year and we have picked out our favorite episodes that we think really delivers amazing, actionable information that you can use to become better with women. And I'm not going to go over what each episode is because you'll hear what each episode is once the episode starts, which it will start in a couple of seconds. But we wanted to say happy holidays. We hope that you are spending time recharging and wiping or getting ready to wipe 2020 off of yourself. So that you can be ready for an even worse 2021. I know, exactly. Hopefully not though. But I will say about re-airing these episodes, this is me excusing us a little bit for posting old episodes, but also making a good point. When you (laughs) listen to something one time, yeah, that's great. Some stuff you don't hear. So by playing an episode twice, you're actually going to pick up on nuances and things that you didn't the first time around. So I think it's actually a really good idea that we're forcing you to do a dual take of our episodes. Well, then I'm going to piggyback on that because I have just learned that if you hear something three times, Mm. it solidifies it in your mind. So maybe we'll air an episode twice. Well, we could take January <laughs> off too and just yeah, exactly three episodes. <laughs> Perfect. I love this plan. Anyway, you don't want to hear us yammer on because you're going to hear this intro several times over the next few weeks. But enjoy the episode. Enjoy the holiday season. And we're all going to come back fresh in 2021 
with a new outlook and hopefully better (laughs) outcomes for that year. All right. Enjoy the episode. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have one of my first wing girls ever, the sexy, amazing, extremely intelligent, almost Harvard graduate, Nutella, is on our show. And we're going to dive into what it means to just be yourself, how to have good conversations with women so that you don't get into the interview mode or the boring mode or the comic mode, and you actually can be seen as a fluid, multidimensional man sitting across from the woman you want to attract. We also talk about, oh my gosh, a ton of other things. We talk about confidence, happiness, how to wipe depression away in three simple steps, a ton of stuff. So keep listening. Welcome to the Ask Women podcast. We're actually conspiring with Trump right now because we have a Russian on our show. <laughs> a Russian spy. Nutella Valentin working for the government. Oh, oh yeah. If only. Oh my God. So funny. So so I want to tell some background about Nutella. So if anybody has signed up for my newsletter list, they would have seen messages in the past about Nutella. And we had done a couple of videos with her. She was one of my first wing girls. There was a long time ago where people had approached me to do a reality show. And so I had to interview a whole bunch of wing girls and hire wing girls. And she was one of them. And then I ended up actually bringing her on for my business. And we went on a couple of boot camps. Did we do one or two together? Oh, we did like five. Did we? Oh my God. I totally forgot. But we did. But we did. And we had a blast with each other. Each other for sure. But then also with the guys that we had on the boot camps. It was just like an amazing experience. And Nutella was the perfect person because she like laughs at everything and just does not give a shit, which I absolutely admired and and loved. And we've, you know, this was like nine years ago or even 10 years ago that we were doing this, yes. but we've kept in touch. She's checked in and you had many adventures since, but now what are you doing now? Are you at Harvard? I am in Harvard. I am uh, trying to fulfill a 20-year-old dream. So then when I finish, I can uh, resume the rest of my life. Amazing. And so what are you doing at Harvard? People Um, can have the dream of Harvard, but how do you actually do that? (laughs) How do you... Uh, backwards as I do everything. <laughs> so I decided to travel the world, do all kinds of relationships, experience, literally go around the world twice and back and just enjoy my youth and the time that I had and decided to go to school later on in life. So I'm doing that now. How do you get in Harvard backwards? You do a lot of really heavy... Is that a sexual reference? Is that what you... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As always, Martin. (laughs) Actually, yeah, dating a professor. Interesting. Don't ask, don't tell here. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, I just uh, took really heavy load classes and uh, applied. And they say, oh my goodness, you did so well in these. Are you sure you're applying for that? I was like, yes. They're like, okay, in. Amazing. And so what you're taking psychology or what are you doing? I forget now. Yes, I'm doing psychology. Do you remember, Marnie, we had a conversation yep. 10 years ago and I told you that and you told me don't do it. I wanted to get a psych degree for an, from an Ivy League and that's what I'm doing now. I don't just throw words. It just takes time sometimes, but I always, uh, yeah, I always do what I say. Amazing. And so and when I'm here now, yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And aside from being extremely intelligent, very beautiful, very <laughs> funny, you also so oh, are you. a single woman. Uh, so you yes. have things to tell us and share with us. So I'd like to... And of course, that's what we have in common is that we're both single, not that we're both at Harvard. Right. Far yes, from you it. Know, you, can, you can come over. The room next to me is empty. So we can have a lot of fun. See, there you go. <laughs> but I would think that, I mean, a lot of people believe that people, other people at Harvard would be very wealthy or privileged and they come from good families. And they're, well, I'm just saying they're, they're like the top echelon of men so that you right. would have this broad selection of really good choices. And I'd love to hear whether or not that is true for you and whether or not it's something that's appealing to you. We went through this 10 years ago, and I think it's been haunting me for a long time. One of the first things that we taught men is what? 
going for it because they think that they're seeing a beautiful woman and that beautiful woman has 3,000 guys texting her, calling her, meeting her everywhere. And it's been my curse. Not that I'm saying that I'm like a gorgeous girl, but I'm very comfortable with where I am, how I look, and I love it. I really do in a non-narcissistic way. However, they do not come up to me. They are terrified. And I hear that all the time. They don't come up. I see they look. I know they look. I'm very emotionally intelligent. I know they look, but they are so afraid to come up. I literally in the past year started approaching men myself. And this is what I teach them. But I realized one thing in 2019. I need a guy to come after me. I really do. It is not sexy for me personally to go after a guy. It might be fantasy for a guy, but I need a man. I really do. I understand. And I would say a lot of women feel exactly the same way. Well, do you, do you talk to other, like you, you're a model or you were a model. I don't, you're not a model anymore. You're now you're in school, but you were a model before. So people can assume you are very attractive and I'll have a picture up of you so that they can see what you look like. But so have you talked to other women who are, in that category? And do they experience similar things like that men actually don't approach them? Even if they have lots of money, they're very successful. Do they, do these men still have trouble approaching? You know, I think the one difference that I have with other girls there, well, me being Russian, I have a permanent resting bitch face. That's what my friends told me. So they're like, of course, they're not looking, you know, to approach you because you look like you're about to bite their head off. And I was like, listen, with my face, I am weeding out the weak because they're going to break anyways. So only a strong man can approach me, right? But here's the problem with me specifically. When a strong man approach me, it's usually not the guy that I want to date because he approached 300 women right before me and it's about numbers for him. That's not who I want to go on a date with. So it's kind of like a... Who do you want to go on a date with? Surprisingly, a slightly kind of like a thicker, chunky, not really chunky, but like I like like a bigger guy, like a teddy bear, you know, like a Canadian burly or um, Alaskan (laughs) guy who will pick me up. And at 5'8 with my Louboutins, I'm going to feel like a twig and I'm size two, but I in my head... um, look a little bit bigger because I'm very tall, you know? So that's who I'm looking for. And slightly nerdy who reads for pleasure. And apparently, if if you look at me, I don't look like I read for pleasure. I look like (laughs) I shop for pleasure, which I do as well. But my ex-boyfriend told me in LA, actually, you like the old one, you know him. He told me there are nine people inside of you, like personalities, very well developed. And there's only one guy. (laughs) So I'm suggesting to the universe that women will be able to have four husbands because that's how long, how many it takes for me to be happy, apparently. At least they have eight hands. So that's like almost a hand per person inside of me. And then one just like weird Inside of you. Okay. (laughs) Eight hands inside of you. No, wait, 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 wait. That's what you just said. I'm just filling in your words for you or repeating your words to you. Wait, so let's take a step back here for one second. Okay. So the psychologist in you, let's take a step back, right? Right. And really, really, I want to get like a good, clear answer. Yes, you could have eight different men and yes, you could position yourself as I'm a very high maintenance, needy woman, which is, I don't think is actually true. It's not. Oh, it is true? Okay. So it's not true. But so... What What is true for your attraction? Yes, you want surface level things of, okay, he likes to read books for pleasure. He's a little bit burly. Those are things that anybody can simply do. What is it about these guys or these types of guys that attracts you? And if some guy like that were to approach you and he just, like a big burly guy came up and said, oh, here, this is a new book that I've been reading and here's my bag of 20 <laughs> other ones that I've like that would get you. But then after that, what is it? What What is it that gets your attention? What is it that creates attraction for you and makes you actually want to go on a date with somebody versus just talk their ear off? Like, you know, that's exactly that. I'm glad that you finished on that sentence exactly. Talk for me is so cheap. I really want to see his action match his words. And I'm looking for somebody, when somebody says something, they will do it with no excuses. We're all busy. We all have things. I just 
want him to do exactly what he says he's going to do. For example, I'm going to take you there. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. And then, oh, I'm working. Oh, I'm doing this. Honestly, excuses to me don't work at all. And this is what I teach all the time. Don't make empty promises because it's just not going to work. It creates this nervous energy right away and it sets the whole relationship on a completely different path, on a building block of the foundation that we're trying to do. And the first date is exactly that, you know? And the most, like the biggest cliche of being yourself You know, we talk about it to death, like that phrase has holes in it. But to me, pretending and putting your best foot forward on on a date is also is like such a turn on. And because I'm so emotional, intelligent, I can see through all that. Sometimes I'll play along and go on a second day or just fun, whatever. But long term, it doesn't work because one, it will exhaust you. Two, you're going to be internalizing, trying to figure out, am I looking good? Am I saying the right things? Rather than pay attention to me, I'm going to see right through that as well. Well, okay. So what what I'm hearing is that you are going on dates with people who make promises to you that they can't keep. Yes, because that's what they think that I want to hear. Okay. So let's dive deeper into this. So many guys who sit across from you, they aren't just being themselves. They're playing towards you to say things that you want to hear. And what you're saying that you value is a guy who isn't trying to impress you. Even if it's if it's if it's like done in a very suave and cool way about how much mm-hmm. money he has or about like I don't even know what else his successes or his accomplishments those things don't impress you. So can you walk us through what actually does? So like I know you just said just be yourself is just a broad statement, but but right. let's let's walk through what it would look like to be on a date with a guy who wasn't trying to impress you and who was just being himself. Have you ever been on a date like that before where somebody's just sitting across from you and doesn't really care about what you think? Yeah, and it's not even that they don't care what I think or they're not trying to impress you, but they're so emotionally mature themselves that it's not really even a date. It's just two people that first were attracted to one another that went to have a dinner or walk around, just be creative. It doesn't have to be like a five-star dinner. We can just go on the streets and the park or just something new that you discovered. Listen to me in the first conversation that we had and see what I like. So. I actually did. I went on a date with this lovely gentleman and we had actually two dates, but then it was just, there was no point of going any further because fundamentally we just didn't match. But it was really lovely. We had a simple conversation that lasted five hours and we just went to grab a quick drink and a bite, you know, just very, very casual. And I think the difference is the expectation expectation of a date has such a heavy burden to impress, to just be this somebody that you might not be. But an easier hangout of two people that are, you know, obviously attracted to one another just eliminates that pressure, I feel, for me. And we can be ourselves rather than put this pretense foot forward. And another thing that drives me crazy on a date is three billion questions. I can't stand it. I'm not on a job interview. Obviously, if you're asking me questions after question after question, you're not even listening to my response. You're already... So what what would you prefer then? Like conversation. You can ask a question. Exactly. Right. You can ask a question from the information that I gave you. Or if you don't understand something that I said, or if I said something silly, we're both nervous. We're just like, you know, it's another person that you're getting to know. If I stumble, like me and you having a conversation now, you know, if I said something wrong or if something didn't make sense, you're going to call me out on it or ask a question. But if you're asking me, uh, what is the weather like in Boston? I'm like, okay, clearly she didn't listen to anything that I said. It's exactly the same thing. It's kind of passing the ball back and forth, not bringing a third ball in this conversation, making me juggle. I hear you. Okay, Does so, that make sense? Yeah, it does. Well, it's like you're missing when, when, you're, when you're just going back and forth with questions. It's like you're missing all these really cool opportunities to talk about nuances. Yes. And I think nuances are what can really connect people. So if if someone says like, oh, I, I'm journaling now or something like that, you don't just go, oh, okay, cool. And what else are you doing? You say, what's in the journal? Exactly. <laughs> Look for detail. Yeah. 
Look at you. I know. I'm that was impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm professional. <laughs> Love it. You are. That was very good. It's exactly that. It's the moments in between that make you fall in love with somebody. It's those intangible bridges from one question to another, rather than feeling like you're in a job interview that is so cold and just not really interesting. And you know you prepared all those questions because you're not being present in the moment. Plus, you're going to miss out on a person this way if you just can bombarding them with questions rather than living in those tiny moments of probably the answers are even in between. Yeah, I agree. I wanted to actually pull up something interesting that I sent. Oh no, where did it go? Shoot. Oh, well, never mind. Okay, so I'm okay, I'm going to keep talking cuz I want to I want to pull up uh, mm. this this one conversation that a client had sent over to me. You know, I'll do it after the break so then we can talk about it and like analyze it. But um I completely agree with you. I'd love to hear what Kristen has to say about the first thing that uh, Nutella was bringing up about mm-hmm. like a guy just being yourself. Cause I know that you probably have that same situation when you talk to guys where they're trying to tap dance for you. And so now that you are a coach, what do you advise guys? Oh God. I advise guys to disagree with, with women and not all right. the time, not to be obnoxious <laughs> and annoying, but to have proof that you're your own person. So I, this guy recently, I haven't really right. been dating at all. I'm not it's just not doing it for me, but I do have my profiles up for some research, you know, things. And occasionally if I'm swiping and I see a cute guy, I'll swipe right. So this guy recently was doing everything to try to impress me. At first I was like, oh, he seems really cool. He was very New York, kind of like a not wise guy, but he just seemed like kind of like a Jersey guy without being cheesy. And I like that energy. And that's what attracted me to swipe right. So then once we started talking, he realized that I do comedy and he started to send me memes of already written jokes from the internet. And I could, nothing could have been cheesier or dumber to me. And I instantly just like kind of went back into my shell and my pulled my head right back in because he was trying so hard to impress me with something that I'm into. But I would have been way more impressed if not if he was bragging about what he's into, but if he was Mm -hmm. opening me up to his world and to what makes him passionate. And of course we can talk about comedy, but it was like, who's your favorite comedian? What, what specials do you watch? Here's these funny memes. Have you seen this meme on the internet before? And it just was like, it was really, really gross. So he's an actor. And if he told me about the theater community in New York city, I would have been like, that's awesome. Tell me more, you know, but instead it was trying to be something you're not, or, or you don't have to be basically, I don't want guys to think they have to have a hundred percent of things in common with a girl that's not attractive. If you want to have a basis of, you know, like we're the same person on the inside, but then we're different in these other ways. So, yeah. yeah. Well, why do you, why do you think that guys do that? Or why do you think that a lot of people do that in general? Is it just safer, easier? Are they so fast track? But it, are they, does it work in some situations or have they, are no, they misunderstanding not. guidance from other people? Because I think that the guidance to them is, you know, listen and connect, right? So, oh, she really likes this and I'm just going to keep tossing this at her. My, my dad used to do that. Um, he still does it. Like if I suddenly say, oh, I really like Archie comics. He, he, every week he would come home with like, he'd go to every garage sale and all he would do is get Archie comics, Archie comics, Archie comics. Uh, and that, that was it. And it was very and nice. And that's from a dad. Yeah. From a dad, yes. But then it becomes annoying because I'm like, still now I have, now. I literally have 3,000 Archies. And, <laughs> and, and yes, that's very nice. But there's nothing that we can con- connect on from that. It's a nice thing that you're doing this. And because I've said, I like it, you want to keep, and he does that for every single thing. It's, it's just a habit that he has because that's how he knows how to love and care for somebody, but it doesn't really make a connection between two people because there's there, the nuance in between that or underneath that is where the connection actually happens. Like, Oh, I've read an Archie Marnie. I really like it. Here's why I like it. Oh, cool. That's cool. That's why I like it too. That's, that's where the connection actually happens and something can happen from that, not commonality, but from that, Oh my God, my words are not coming to me today. But you know what I mean. Like, I'm just saying that that, that exactly as Kristen said, there is that, that extra nuance there that's needed for something to, for a takeaway from that topic that you guys are discussing. 
Disgusting. Oh my God, what is wrong with me? We are disgusting. Especially <laughs> Nutella. I'm talking. I know. We have a Russian on the See, show. I'm afraid people are listening. I've got an ice pack on my back. Oh, it's just a mess right now. It's horrible. Uh, anyway, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Nutella. I could not find that email, but it, it basically it was this conversation that somebody had tried that had somebody showed me that they were asking me to break down where they were saying like really cute things. They were bantering really well in a conversation over Tinder, but then they continued to just ask questions instead of latch on to something that the girl said. So anyway, it was going to be an example of what you guys were talking about, but forget it. If I do find it, I will send it out in a newsletter, but we'll be back in a minute with (laughs) Nutella. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting, or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it all right we are back so i want okay, to can get- i just oh okay so for people listening i just have to say this it's so hard because we're taping without being able to see each other and i hate feeling like i'm stepping on anything that you're saying or the guest is saying but i just want to call out that i called natella <laughs> natalia <laughs> natala and <laughs> i'm used to all of them <laughs> In the span of in, in the span of like two seconds, it wasn't like spread out over time. So I just want to apologize for that. Okay, what? <laughs> but what is her name? Natella. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Do you understand? Yeah. I had such a hard time with her name in the very. I'm like, I'm not even going to say her name. I'm going to mess it up for sure. Um, but it is a wonderful name once you get it right. All right, I have a question from Boris. I am a 21 year old guy who has never been in a relationship before. I am into this girl that my coworker brought to a party that my friend was having. I was talking to her the whole time. I followed her on Instagram and she followed back. I have been talking to her from time to time. She goes to school far away, so I don't think I will have any time to meet up with her again. My coworker told me she really liked me, but she has been talking to another guy for a while. What should I do when a girl likes me but is not willing to give me a chance because she's into another guy? Boris. But where does he come from that she's not giving him a chance? He didn't even ask her yet. Hmm? You know, yeah, that's, that's what true. I'm saying. Like, or at least yeah, not that we know of. I think he just set the precedent of I'm not interested because I'm talking about other things. So maybe she was hinting. Is she, was she hinting at not interested? I, I, it, she, it doesn't say anything. It's like it literally says that she said she liked him as well, but she's talking to another guy. But he hasn't taken a chance. She she followed him exactly. back. They talk from time to time. I don't really know where the she's not taking a chance comes into play. Like, is she supposed to throw herself there at him? Go. And I don't understand what, but I what also, that means. I do so, think that's an avoidance. She may be talking to another guy. She mm-hmm. may not be. Maybe she just doesn't like him. I don't understand why people right. would just not ask each other. My goodness, like how difficult is that? They're already in contact. Send her a message, say, listen, I thought you were really pretty and very nice to talk to. I would like to take you out on a coffee. Just let me know when and where. That's it. Next. Yeah, we ca- overcomplicate everything. We so do. I always say relationships are easy, but as soon as people step in, they become complicated. That's oh, it. that's good. That's so true. Simple. I was like, let me think about that yeah, one for a second. See, but yeah, Harvard that is education true. right here. <laughs> right? I know. College level education. Snobby, highbrow. No, but it's so common that we that us peasants can't understand. <laughs> um, but but that's interesting though, because it it is kind of true. Because when humans step into the 
relationship, they bring all of their baggage, all their fears, all their triggers, and then they miscommunicate. They withhold information. They don't say what they really want. So yeah, they are the ones that are muddying up this concept of a relationship. So I agree with you. Kristen, what do you think about that? Because she's already said she kind of likes him. Do you think that he should just put it out there? Like, yeah, next time you're in town, I want to take you out. And when you're back on break, like, let's go have coffee with each other. I think you're freaking cool. Um, Yes, I think he should absolutely do that. But I don't think she's into him. I think if someone says they like you, but they're talking to someone else, that means they like the other person. There's a chance that... Oh, for sure. One, she's making it up. Or two, she is seeing someone else. And if she is, she's a person who lives in the world that we do, which is free will. And so if she wanted to, she could say, I like you more. I want to date you. So I don't know in the situation, does he do things to lure her in to get her to like him better than the other guy? Or is that where we come back to this trying to impress her and agree with everything she's saying and it just makes you look dumber? But because she put that out there, I would 100% say, yes, I want to take you out. But she could be lying. So there could be a little rejection that he might have to face. Right, but let's say she's not lying. And let's say she's had... Okay, go on, Natalia. I want to hear. Like, from a woman's perspective, and I've been on both sides. I've cheated on many guys, and I've stayed faithful to one of them. (laughs) I will tell you. I hope you cheat on your Harvard tests, too. (laughs) (laughs) I told you. It takes a very special man to lock this bird down. But... If she talked to him, like Marnie knows that relationship. I was an acting modeling. There were a lot of gorgeous guys around me. I had eyes for one guy and one guy only. I would not even talk to anybody. I was dating that guy and that is it. Finished. If she is talking to another dude, she might be seeing somebody, but I'm sorry, they're not married and they don't have children together. She's opening that door. A door is open or a window is open. You can, you know, bust down the door. And I feel like by her talking to him, following on Instagram and continuing these conversations back and forth, I don't know how serious that first relationship is. He can totally go for it. Yeah, I say go for it no matter what. The truth is we don't have enough context. It was literally a paragraph and a half. So we don't know her side. We don't fully know even his side. We don't really know what's going on in these back and forth chit chats over social media. So we don't really know. It could just be him like reaching out every three weeks and her being like, ha ha, right. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> but, but this question to you me know? sounds like procrastination. Because I think he knows the answer to his own question. Yeah, I agree. And I'm assuming you're assuming that the question is she's not interested, but I would say, yeah, just go for oh, it. Oh, no, no. My my assumption is he knows he should ask her because she's yeah. said she's interested. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was written like seven months ago, so hopefully he's done something by now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just They're wet oh and had children God. and I was totally wrong. She was Right, exactly. One. She's yeah. pregnant, exactly. All right, next one. My name is Dane and I watch Marnie's videos and I listen to your podcast and I was wondering... Is it okay to playfully tease a woman you like when you first meet? Or is it being creepy to do that? (sighs) See, I hate this whole pickup artist thing because then it makes negging a thing. And before I think it was just teasing flirtation. And now it's, there's this negative connotation of like talk down to her, make her feel, I think teasing is so necessary. And I think it's, I mean, for me, it is, I love ball busting and I prefer to call it something like that where it takes away the delicateness of it or something um and uh I think it's necessary but I also think um if you intend to actually hurt feelings then it's creepy not creepy it's just or if you overdo it there are some guys who like that's all they do is just like oh like boom 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 like put you down put you down I can't stand it oh I know I know I actually okay I need to tell this story really quickly Okay, tell, please. So I went on a date last year with this guy that I really wasn't interested in. And he kept annoying me, essentially, into going out with him. But I also, to my fault, wasn't clearly saying no. I was putting it off because I didn't want to say no because I was scared. Not for like my physical self. I just didn't feel like dealing with rejecting someone. So... I was pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off, and he just would not stop. So finally, I was like, all right, okay, I'll go out with you. So um, we we had a really good ball-busting relationship over text and in person. And it was fun and playful, but he never, ever transitioned out of that into something more meaningful. Mm -hmm. So 
recently we we reconnected because I ended up ghosting him. I ended up never getting in contact with him. Um, and then something came up came about that we had to reconnect and he confronted me about ghosting him. And I kind of talked about this, I think, somewhat recently on the show, but in a different context, the same story, but with a different point. But in this context, I just want to point out that I told him straight up, you never, ever stopped the teasing and the picking on me, which is okay at the beginning, but I never felt safe enough to let down my guard to actually have a conversation with you and to really let myself feel safe with you and connect with you. And I was like, so if I were to have you as a client, this is what I would tell you is you screwed up so badly on the teasing, teasing, teasing. It's too much. It's fun every like now and then, but it was his only go-to. And it was just really gross. But I, I had the, I told what him. What did which he say? Was kind of scary for me to do. Congratulations! You could tell he got a. Well, he he just wanted to like ball bust me more, but he couldn't. It was almost like he was in this weird like. He's like stuck. What place. do I do now? What do I do? Right, because that's like his only go to skill. So I think it kind of screwed him up a little bit. But I also think he soaked it in. I think he really listened. And he was like, well, you liked the the teasing. And like, I was afraid if I said something more meaningful that you'd back off because you're funny. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm also a human being. And so just know there's different facets to everyone. We're not all just one That's layer. interesting that he said and that because it goes back yeah. to our, our conversation in the beginning where it's like, okay, oh, you like that? I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> right, yes. And it's like they beat it to yeah. death. It's like, well, I'm not just like one thing. I mean, I'm shallow, but I'm not that shallow. (laughs) And it's exactly that. They use it as a crutch and they don't know how to get out of this. And I got to tell you, you should use that as a compliment as well, because usually when people psychologically do that, they think of you more as they think of themselves. So he clearly thought that you were funnier than he naturally is. So he just kept beating on that and then just beat it. Right. Definitely. And luckily but it died. He did beat that's it. That's unfortunate. Exactly. And it never works. It actually will end up. I used to do that when I was younger because I was like, oh, I'm so funny. Like, let's just, you know, laugh. But then you will literally say something that will deeply offend because you get more and more comfortable with the jokes and you're pushing them further and further. And that rubber band will snap and you cannot yeah, recover from that. You'll be done. So when I first moved to Los Angeles, my friend Jody had this friend Jeremy and she introduced me to him and he, he would kind of do the same thing. Like I kept asking him questions and he would like, you know, ball bust or be sly or make some kind of joke and then put it back on me. And I just couldn't, he wouldn't really have a real conversation with me. So I just kept thinking, he's such a dick, he's such a dick, he's so horrible, blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up hiring him four years later to be my lawyer because I was like, I need a dick if I, if I really want to have a lawyer. But like, I never wanted to date him because I, I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't have a conversation. We had started off our interaction with jokes back and forth. And that was fun. But as you were saying before, it has to transition at some point into something else. And you can always go back to the jokes and banter. Mm -hmm. But if you only have the jokes and banter, you're like a one-trick pony. That's all that you can do. Right. I always Mm -hmm. always picture conversation to look like a heart monitor if someone's alive. Like up and down and up and down and up and down. If it's just down, it's one, you're you're dead. It could be down, but doesn't mean it's a boring conversation. It could just be all jokes. You just never want it to be one exact straight line ever. I mean, of course, Mm -hmm. you don't want to feel like you're up, up, down, up, down, but you want to feel like there's a ro- little roller coaster yeah. happening, a slow one, like a children's yeah. roller coaster. I, yeah, but a roller I completely coaster agree. And I think for some guys listening, they may be like, oh God, they want us to be like this huge comedian and this very serious guy. It, it's not as extreme as that. It's just subtle. It can be like making a joke, like one of the jokes that we've made on the show and then going into a more connecting conversation where you're actually telling about yourself. Kind of like how this show goes. Like we have moments where we do mm-hmm. poke fun at people. We do make a joke, but then we try to get back to the meaning of the show of giving advice. And there's this, you know, a more serious reason for what we're doing. We're trying to educate and inform people and help guys as much as possible. So, and we like to do it while also joking around and laughing. But if it doesn't have to be as extreme, like, yeah 
top comedian and then deep poet and then, you know, suicide. So, so I just want to make sure that people understand that it's not as extreme and everybody has those parts of their personality within them already. It's just about bringing them out and showing them to a, a woman when you're in conversation with her, which is what Nutella was talking about at the beginning of the show when she said, just be yourself. Cause I'm sure just being yourself can poke fun at a few things or it can see the humor mm-hmm. in some things and then can also have really serious passions and things that you want to talk about. You know, Marnie, and I think like the art of flirting, this sexy flirting in those cheesy novels is dying. And I think this is what guys are replacing it with, is poking fun, breaking down the woman, doing this whole like lines and memes and what, what you know, whatever else they can send. But I think we just all need to put our cell phones back and just read some books and figure out how to really not just have sex with one another, but create that intimacy. And this is what women want. We want to be intimate. I don't want to be a number. Yeah, for sure. But I you mean, know? we also still do want to be flirted with and have fun. I just want to be, <laughs> I want to be exactly. number one. But flirting not right, with the course. 300 stupid jokes. Right, exactly. Exactly. Okay, one more question and then we are going to wrap up our show. All right. Love the podcast and following as close as I can. Insightful, funny, and helpful. Taking small notes on and off at work the gym and my commute. I'm 27 years old and have never had a solid girlfriend or hooked up. Most of my friends and virtually everyone I know has had a girlfriend or boyfriend, stories and lessons of heartbreaking intimacy to grow from, fulfilling romantic and sexual escapades, except me. My social skills as a kid weren't up to speed with most of my friends and I had to deal with some anxiety and some ADHD. I feel almost certain that I'll have missed out on an extensive dating, sex and relationships that so many people are lucky and hardworking to receive in my generation before the age of 30. And it makes me frustrated and upset, almost to the point of envious irritability. Fortunately, I've sworn off any PUA or incel forums or online communities. I've realized that focusing on external validation and comparing yourself to others isn't helpful and decide to take responsibility for my journey towards becoming a more attractive man. I go to the gym and bike regularly when possible, work outdoors. Oh my God, I'm going to date him already. I know. Read and listen to a lot of dating material and have an active social life. I've seen counselors and talk with friends from time to time, but get awkwardly anxious and somewhat shy about digging deep down to these pits of lonely emptiness. My life isn't horrible when I add it all up, bachelor's overseas backpacking and ESL teaching, but living back with my parents for a second time and feeling like I should be up that mountain and not on the first few kilometers is really hard. I feel as if a significant and meaningful milestone hasn't arrived and won't for some time that will or won't confirm my social value. Unsurprisingly, it fools me into feeling inadequate and less of a man. How can I let go of my past experience, inexperience, frustration, and depression and redefine myself and make up for the lost time? Or or do I just accept what it is? Marcus from Canada. Mm. All right, psychologist, step, step in. Oh, I love him already. Seriously, like this guy needs to know how much value he has. He is just so adorable. He's doing all the right things. Never ever feel like when you're living with your parents, you're a failure. Your parents are not there forever. Share those moments. If you feel like you need to move out, you will. The time will come. But it's just, it's sometimes so amazing to spend time with them. And they appreciate that, especially your mom probably so much. She loves it. So, don't feel like a failure or socially awkward person. Those are the gems in our society. I truly feel, and 27, that's a little bit old for me, I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Because I usually like stay around 25 area. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I think he's so adorable. I really, really would just hate for him to feel this way. I would love for him to know how incredible, rare, and special he is. I literally fell in love with him just with that with uh, message. Well, Kristen, um, as somebody who also yeah. you know who suffers from depression so uh, and who has had very similar moments, or who may look outwards at other people and compare themselves, which every single person does, by the way. Yeah. What, what would you advise? Uh, drink your life away. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> just get it over. With. Antidepressants are great. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was frustrating because listening to that, I could hear myself in him and every little thing that I felt like I connected with, I didn't really have a solid piece of advice for because I'm too in it. Even though I do have advice for it, it's like because my emotions kind of overtake me, my I lose my ability to kind of think critically or something like that. But 
I would say that he, number one, needs to stop being hard on himself. And I think that's what I did for mm. so many years. And I'm just starting to kind of untangle that fishing line that's like a giant knot of being hard on myself. And so because I'd done it for so long, it's a really tedious process to undo that knot. So the sooner he can start, the better. He's only 27. He's not old. It's, it's not like too late. It's never too late. I mean, unless you're dead or something or almost dead. But I would suggest just number one, start being nicer to yourself because all of a sudden you'll see things in the rest of your life start to either look better, feel better, sound better, not seem so bad. It really, I think, affects everything in your sphere when you're nice yeah, to yourself. Yeah, for sure. And it, sometimes it's very difficult because you can get trapped in these negative thoughts. So do you remember, Kristen, we had that happiness coach on our show? So yes. I asked... Yes. Uh, uh, Robert uh, It clearly didn't work, but... No, no but it has. <laughs> I, I would say, actually... Yeah, no, I've been... I don't, maybe not since he's been on, but you, you're amazing. You're in a really good place. You have some things going on, but... Like you are in a great place from where you were when I met you six years ago or whatever it was. But like, yes, you are fantastic and wonderful. Anyway, so I I ended up talking to Robert Mack, who was on our show, I think like eight months ago or something. It was a really good episode. It was about how to be happy because he had come from this background of self-loathing and and unhappiness. And he just was like, how do I find happiness? And I had talked to him because I'm in a position right now where I'm like, oh, I want to refine my happiness. I have my career and everything's going great. My family's nice, but it's all, to be honest, it feels like all kind of blah to me recently. So I'm like, okay, how do I like reinvigorate myself? And he gave me one really good tip that seems so simple, but it's something that for some reason has really helped me and elevated my mood. Mood, And he, I forget what he labeled it as, but he said to notice, I think your happiness valleys. So when you start to go to the negative place and you start to fixate on something's not good. So for example, oh, I live with my parents, right? So as soon as that pops up and you go into this valley, you literally breathe, you clear your mind and you smile. And for some reason, it stops it dead in its tracks. And so then you're still at this heightened level where you don't go to this extreme low because you're, you know, working yourself into a tizzy thinking about how horrible you are and literally programming your brain to think the same things as well. Instead, you stop it dead in its tracks, you breathe, you smile, and then you move forward. So it kind of erases, not, it doesn't really erase those things. Again, it just stops it dead in its tracks. And Reframe them, them a little bit. You're not really reframing it. You're just stopping it. That's that's the biggest thing. So as I said before, you're programming your brain. Every single negative thought that you have about yourself, you're, you're, you're telling your brain, oh yeah, I'm stupid. Oh yeah, I'm a loser. Oh yeah. And like your brain's like, yeah, let's look for evidence of that so that you can be right and you can be happy with what we're telling you. So you, he is literally, and you are literally, or people are literally programming themselves to continue on this negative path. So the breathing, the breathing really helps. Mm-hmm. And so then since then, then. He gave me like a few other things to do, but I've been trying to listen to motivational video or audio every single day in the background, just to like perk me up a bit. And this one from Tony Robbins came up and it was titled feeling lost, how to find Mm -hmm. yourself again. And I think that this pertains to the email that came in. So he gave a couple of things. How many are there? There's seven things you can do to if you're feeling lost and like low on your position in life, okay? Whether you've lost yourself in your job relationship, your role as a parent, or simply feel lost in life in general, you are not alone. It doesn't mean your life is doomed and that you will never find yourself again. It simply means you are going through an incubation period and transformation. The key is not to get stuck in your current lost state and tap into your creative power to create a life of love and a life that you love. So here are the seven tips that will help you out of this lost state and remind you of the power you have to create a life you love. And so for the email that was written, this is these are ways to reinvigorate your life so that you don't just define yourself as this person who's never had a relationship. You're this person who is something else. So here are the tips. Remember what you love to do. Remember what you love to do and go do it. Do you remember the last time you had fun in your life? Do you remember when things felt easy and in the flow? It was likely because you were fully engrossed in the fun of the moment. As we grow up, we lose sight of how amazing life can be because we feel burdened by the responsibilities Mm -hmm. and mundane parts of life. It's time to reconnect with what you love and take action on it. No more excuses about not having the time, money, resources, or babysitter. Make a commitment to do what you love and watch your life change before your eyes. Number two, go on an adventure. 
I'll just condense these. Number three, reconnect with your dreams and dream big. What kind of dreams did you have for your life before you lost yourself in this busyness of life? Number four, expand your comfort zone regularly. It's time to get uncomfortable by trying new things and meeting new people. Number five, get quiet and listen. Every day, there are signs, messages, and guideposts that will inspire you to act, but you only notice them if you're open, which is where this breathing exercise comes in. If you're focusing and fixated on negatives, you're not going to notice the other wonderful things. Number six, remember, you have the power to be, have, and do anything you desire. Number seven, ask for help, which is what he was doing. There are so many people in the world whose purpose it is to help people like you. Reach out and ask for help. You don't have to figure this out all on your own. And just listening to things like that, I think can also be really motivational because again, you're reprogramming your brain to see the more positives instead of getting your brain trapped Mm -hmm. in these negative spaces. So I talked about on my other podcast, I'm doing journaling, which I really actually am. And it's oh. embarrassing. Why is it embarrassing? It really, like, I don't, because it's not my thing. Well, it's not my thing. It is but now. I'm doing it. I know. And so I've been calling it instead of, because it's like your brain dump. So I'm calling it my morning dump to just like take some <laughs> seriousness out of it. <laughs> um, <it>. So disgusting. <laughs> but I mentioned on my podcast how I don't like the step of the writing prompt of write three things you're grateful for. It almost makes me mm-hmm. feel disempowered because I want to be, I'm grateful. Yes, I'm grateful. I have my legs. I'm grateful. I have my family, but I want to reach beyond having the the basics. And it just kind of made me feel like negative for some reason. Every time I'm like, I felt like a sixth grader being like, I'm thankful for my dog. I'm thankful for, it just felt immature. So because you're like, I want, I want to, to be me. thankful for my first million dollars that I made. I want to be thankful yeah. for having a successful... Co- I get it. I hear you. Yeah, right. So just to kind of inspire me more in the morning rather than make me feel like kind of like I'm going backwards. And so someone wrote to me and they said they felt the same way. And this was a writing prompt that they found that they really liked. And I really, really like it. It made me feel way more empowered. So it's, if I knew for certain that all of my dreams and my heart's deepest desires were on their way, how would I feel and how would I behave? And so it, when I started to write about it, it, it was like a pulling back a curtain. Like the curtain has been the like dissatisfaction of life and the heaviness of life and the fear of the future and all of that stuff. And once I pulled that curtain back and thought all of that stuff is already is okay, I pictured how I would be and it was like mind blowing. I wrote, I would, this was the first time I wrote about it, but I said, I would be so happy. It'd be like walking on air. I'd smile at everyone. I would be okay with mundane things like going to the grocery store. I wouldn't be worried about trying to make things come true because, or I wouldn't be so busy and worried about trying to make things come true that I could focus on other things that actually brought me happiness. So, and it goes on and on, but I I realized that that's so much of what's weighing me down is fear of what I of what I don't have because I don't have my heart's deepest desires. And so this guy who wrote in, like he doesn't have the things that he wants to have right now. And so by focusing on it, it's only making him act in a more negative way. He needs to act the way he would as if he already had those things. But you know, if you would just adjust that writing just a little bit, because that would is the most important word. It actually attracts more negativity because it says to the universe, you don't have that. You need to write, I am. You have to like kind of dissolve yourself in that moment and travel in your head there. And I'll be honest with you. I read a million books and I remember Tony 15 years ago as well. I met him, but I still do the 333 rule. I modified it to myself and it's psychologically proven. It's just starting a habit, but you have to reset it every single day. If you cannot find something and it's so silly not to, because we do have, it's just making you stretch and focus on what was so amazing. So I do 333 and it is through gratitude. I wake up every single morning before I touch my phone, before I touch the ground, I'm setting what I'm going to be grateful for today that I know already is going to happen. Amazing class, new potential people that I'm going to meet and a great weather. Just as simple as that. I'm just throwing it out there. Then through the day, you got to say three genuinely from your heart, nice things to other people because you're sending three roads and you're starting this ball of really nice energy because it's always nice when you hear 
or something genuinely incredible, you know? And you might change somebody else's day and somebody else could be, again, depressed or sad or something else. So you change somebody else's life potentially just as big. And then at the end of the day, I for sure say and recap on the day before I go to sleep, I think of the three things that had happened and it has to be like really deep and meaningful. I didn't have Thanksgiving. I didn't have anybody here in my family, but we had Thanksgiving next Sunday. And that day I was so grateful for the laughs that me and my friends shared. I was so grateful that I came into the job. I didn't know how to do a job and I met these people. It could be repetitive, but I'm telling you, I used to hate going to work every single morning, literally a month ago. And this 333 just hit me, you know, at my midterm level. And I was like, all right, I got to get out of it and snap out of it. It really, really helps. And it's not the superficial gratitude that a lot of people are writing, you know, when they're millionaires. It's really easy to be grateful when you're a millionaire. It doesn't mean that you don't have hardships or anything like that. But I guarantee you every single person in this earth can share three things with others, can say thank you in the morning and can say thank you at night. Three things so little, but they literally will start psychologically and rewire your brain into thinking more and more positive. You want to push it to five, 10 things or write a journal or start a blog. It's so incredible that you're writing because you might just change somebody else's life in the day that you don't even know you're changing their life. So definitely keep writing. It's very crucial. For sure. One question to add on to that. So how, at the end of the day, how do you do that? Do you just lie in bed and you say out loud? Yeah, not out loud. I say it in my head. I just really dig deep, not you know, again, on the surface level, I go internally, talk to my soul. I know it sounds really weird or deep or whatever, but I really do. I connect with the universe. I start breathing. I do a lot of yoga. And I think about what was really on the deep level, just so incredibly grateful because that will be my truth. And it really does help me. I love that exercise. I have done it for many, many years. And anytime I forget to do it or something really hard happens, I was like, oh, forgot to say thank you. I love it. It's so simple, but it works. Yeah. And another thing is, I always think of depression. And if you actually talk to my mom until 16, I was paralyzed. I could not really even speak to anybody. I was very socially awkward. Even to people that I knew, I could not go up and order a cup of coffee. That's how shy I was. And in my core, I'm a very shy person, even though I delivered seminars in front of 2000 people now. But I make that step from being that shy girl in my head into the stage and performing, you know? But that doesn't go away because it's a part of your core. And one of my really close friends, when I was at my worst depressed stage, which lasted seven months and I was in LA and then I moved out. That was the last time I saw him morning, actually. She told me, she was like, feel this depression because you're going to change lives. You have to feel this through and think of it as a deep rest that your body will need and collect the strength that you will need for the rest of your life. So I break that word that a lot of people associate with darkness and my light almost closed and I made that really horrible phone call to my mom and I speak about it so openly nowadays because I hope to help other people, but it's a different podcast. But that's what helped me is breaking that word down, taking the power and negativity away from it and turn it into a positive and thinking of it as if I have a depressed day now or a month or it was almost a year. I think of it as my body, my brain, my soul, my mind, and all of it together being my house ultimately needs to rest, deeply rest. And it's okay because something amazing is going to happen after. And the deep belief actually is true because all we can do is the 24 hours and the day that we have today. Tomorrow you were waking up again and you should say thank you for having that day because so many don't. That's the first thank you that you probably should say. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's a great, great place to end our show. Natella, thank you so much. That was I love everything that you just said. I think that the three... The three 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 thing is absolutely amazing. And I'm not sure if that fully answers the question that was being asked, but I think that was definitely some great information that, um, I mean, I'm saying like all of the things that we said, but I think that what we all shared about our own experiences, I think can, can help the guys listening because they can realize, first of all, that 
we experience it as well. Everybody experiences these moments of doubt and maybe feeling low about their position in the world, but that a new fresh day starts and you can reprogram and reframe how you view things so that more positive things can come into your life, which I think is absolutely amazing. So yeah, Natella, thank you so much for, for being on the show. And are you working with anybody? Anytime. Like, or can I, do you have anything that you want to plug or promote? Well, I actually don't do seminars, but I do work with my clients that I actually accumulated through years and I continue by referral only. I don't advertise anywhere. And of course, your platform is, you know, everybody will get a special treat because I don't give out my email. But as simple as and this is my personal email, natalavalentin at yahoo.com. If somebody will need help with relationship, I actually specialized in grief and post-relationship trauma when relationships break down. And of course, the love. And a lot of my clients now are guys that I'm kind of feeling some of the mom's shoes and uh, helping them get very sexy and romantic and learn how to flirt with the women that they have in their life to rekindle relationship and save the marriages. That's the mom's job? <laughs> well, yes, because you need to raise <laughs> good men. You do. Yes, you need yes. to raise good men. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I agree. Very true. I love that. You're you like, know, that's, that's so, a mom job. She's about to flirt. Oh, God. I am going to be the best mom then for it, my sons. I'm going to hand them. It you is. Are. I tell that to my mom all the time. She they're teaches my brother pussy. how to be a well rounded. And listen, there are no forbidden topics. This is what family is for. Open any topic for discussion. These are the closest people that you have, and you should be comfortable enough and yeah. creating those first relationships to talk about anything. Yeah, I completely agree. And your mom is your best friend, hopefully. Well, I hope so for my sake. And Kristen, <laughs> since you've been whipping out some wonderful things during this episode, tell people how they can do work with you. Uh, won't be as wonderful in, uh, in person. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. It'll be, it'll be better. Amazingly. You can't even believe it, right? You can just hit me up at kristenandchill.com. And I also don't give out my personal email ever <laughs> either, but yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you have uh, any questions, you can email me at kayleecarney at gmail.com. That's L-E-I-G-H. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Or you can find me on Instagram and send me a message, Chris Karn, K-R-I-S-C-A-R-N. Wonderful. And you can uh, find me at winggirlmethod.com or go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Marnie Kinris. New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. And then we also post them on YouTube the next day at some point during the day so that you can go and download it or watch it, listen to it, whatever you want to do. But you can do it through the YouTube platform if that's where you're very comfortable listening to, to and watching information. If you want to write in questions for this show, even though we rarely answer questions anymore, but I'd like to start doing it more. Write them into ask at askwomenpodcast.com. You guys are wonderful. We'll see you next week. 